0: Four years ago, I stopped writing novels to report on the crimes of Donald Trump and his associates. In 2018, I wrote a best-selling book about it, Dirty Rubles. In 2019, I launched Prevail, a bi-weekly column about Trump and Putin, spies and mobsters, and so many traitors! Trump may be gone, but the damage he wrought will take years to fully understand. Join me and a revolving crew of contributors and guests as we try to make sense of it all. This is Prevail.
4: This episode of Muller She Wrote is brought to you by Zola. Zola is reinventing the wedding registry and planning process to make the happiest moment in couples' lives even happier. To start your free wedding website and also get $50 off your registry on Zola, go to zola.com slash ag. Warning, this podcast contains laughter.
1: Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to
5: find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist.
0: No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist.
4: Hello, and welcome to Mueller She Wrote the weekly podcast for all things Muller. I'm your host, A.G., and with me as always is Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. How was your week? Good, yeah.
2: Get was- any shows in? I did. I, I um I did some mics, um, I, I probably did a show or two. Oh yeah, I had Palace weekend shows. Oh nice. Was main that stage? This weekend? No, I did the uh, the gold room in the back. Okay. Yeah, why do they call it the gold room? It's the second best room. Eh,
4: no, it's stupid. Yeah. You gotta complain about that. It's wishful thinking. <laughs> you need to be on the main stage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. trying to make it not sound stupid.
3: People are like, Oh, the gold room and then they go inside and they're like, Wait, what the fuck?
4: <laughs> <laughs> like the second stage at um, at uh, what's that one in Pasadena? Flappers? Or ice house, they, or maybe flappers. Uh, yeah. Ice house, ice house. They used to call it the uh, second stage, and now they call it like uh, the yoo-hoo room or something. Oh, that is
2: flappers, actually.
4: Yeah, is yeah. It flappers? Yoo-hoo
3: is flappers. Mm-hmm.
4: Okay. See, I don't know.
3: <laughs> it's still it's still a good room, but it definitely is smaller than the main. <laughs> exactly.
2: Room. Small, but uh, intimate. It yeah. Is. Just
4: and, advertise and it as such. The, the belly room at mm-hmm. uh, the, it's the store. store. Yeah. <laughs> they have three rooms there, though. They have the OR, mm-hmm. which is the original room, and then the main room. I guess that wasn't originally there. Hmm, they built and it after the other, the fight?
3: I think I think they did. So the oh. main stage is
4: actually the second stage, and then uh, and then the belly room, which is upstairs. Which I love the belly room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you do that little kitchen walk through the back stairs, and you feel important.
3: Oh yeah, Madhouse uh, also has a second room now.
4: Oh, I heard. What I like are they it. calling it? The
2: oh, Carlin room, I think, according to the Wi-Fi. Oh, uh, that's really? my investigative reporting. That's cool. The
3: Sane House. Yeah. Um, it looks like uh, the Comedy Cellar, kind of, because it's in a San Diego historic building, so there's bricks everywhere. It looks super cool. It's oh. very nice. Yeah. Is yeah. it downstairs? Or- it's mm-hmm. all downstairs. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know they had a downstairs. It's where the- well, um, no, same level. Oh, like, okay. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah, yeah.
4: Gotcha. All right. Anyway, uh, my week was good. Uh, Basically, just sat around waiting for indictments. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, We all kind of were. This week was crazy, and we have a great show lined up for you. We have Judd Legum. He's coming on to chat about Stone's election shenanigans. And we have Emmy Guareca. She's the founder of Women's March Los Angeles. She's joining us in our Flip It Blue segment with uh, Eyes on 2020. Jordan's going to be covering the Facebook fiasco uh, today. And in our new Racial Maddo segment, (laughs) Jaleesa is going to cover the legal team seeking Trump apprentice tapes in the uh, immigration case that's making its way through the courts right now. I'm going to be covering Roger Stonehenge and all the things surrounding him. But first, uh, I want to thank you all for following us on Twitter. If you don't already, head over and follow us at MullerSheWrote. If you're not on Twitter, just dust off one of those old AOL or Hotmail emails and create a Twitter and follow us. <laughs> we get some great discussions going on there. So I think you'd I think you be into it. Also, please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a rating to help us battle the trolls. And if you're not a patron, you can become one at patreon.com slash Wrote. We uh, just reimagined all of our thank you gifts. And for a limited time, We have our new 2019 Sexy Justice calendars. They make amazing gifts for the holidays, and you can get one for signing up at the $10 level, uh, which is amazing because they're $20 on the store. So the $10 patron level, um, you get the calendar, and you get all the other stuff, too, because when you just buy it on the store, you you don't get that stuff. You get access to the bonus episodes, the Fantasy Indictment League, the MSW Book Club, our weekly newsletter that Jordan does so beautifully. Uh, Not to mention you get ad-free episodes, um, which this wouldn't count. I'm just talking to you. I'm sorry. (laughs) So check it out at uh, patreon.com slash Wrote. Once we get to 3,000 patrons, we're going to start putting out two main episodes every week, and we're very close to that goal. So thank you, thank you, thank you to all our patrons. We have a lot of news to get to this week, so let's jump in with just the facts. All right, guys, we kicked off the week thinking that the holiday would be nice and quiet, but Monday we learned that there were eight prosecutors working in the special counsel's office on Veterans Day, a federal holiday. News reports indicate that Cohen was in Washington with uh, one of his uh, defense attorneys in tow, and they were meeting with Mueller's team when everyone assumed their offices would be closed. Most reporters uh, speculated that they were prepping him for the grand jury. There was no real story on it. No one ever came out and said exactly what was happening. We just had some eyes and ears on the ground and... Um, kind of found out through some other uh, anonymous alt and fed employees, <laughs> uh, friends of mine sources that uh, were telling kind of telling us what was going on and Tuesday that's when the buzz started because the media started setting up cameras and lights at every entrance to the courthouse where the grand jury convenes. and according to sources, um, a CNN crew had said the grand jury was indeed meeting, um, and w- which is weird because we're used to them meeting on Friday, but now they're meeting on Tuesday and they were all waiting for Cohen to arrive. But that's sort of where the story stalled. We never heard much about it after that. No one ever covered the fact that the the grand jury was convening on a Tuesday. It could be that grand juries convened for 18 months and Mueller was done with the grand jury that was convening on Fridays. And so he's convened a new one mm. and paneled a new grand jury and they meet on Tuesdays. I have no idea. Mm. Uh, that, that reporting never came out and we still don't know. But uh, Cohen has previously participated in several interviews with special counsel and federal prosecutors in New York for more than 40 hours, like a ton. So I don't know what's going to go on with this one. I don't know if he's making another cooperation agreement. I don't know if he's been given immunity. We haven't heard any of that. So it's very tight lipped. And that could be kind of maybe leftover stuff from the, you know, how Mueller was real quiet leading up to the elections. So it could be kind of, um, you know, an effect of that. Mm -hmm. But
3: I don't know. I mean, we talk about superseding indictments for Cohen. Do you think it could have been any sort of conversations like, you got anything else for us, buddy?
4: (laughs) Yeah, and it might have been like there could be a proffer where they're doing a cooperation agreement where they're like, nothing you say will be used against you. Tell us every spill it all. Or it could be a immunity situation or it could just be Cohen's like, I don't care what you do to me. I'm telling you everything. Who knows? No one. (laughs) That'd be hardcore. Yeah, that would be pretty hardcore. Just the uh, complete other side of the coin. Yeah, that would be something I would never expect from that man. Yeah,
3: his throwback Thursdays must be a trip.
4: (laughs) (laughs) TBT. (laughs) When I was a dick. (laughs) tbt when i stole taxi medallions (laughs) medallion stallion hashtag uh also tuesday adam schiff the ranking member of the house intelligence committee the guy who's poised to take control of that committee in january told chuck todd meet the press uh that uh (laughs) that if whitaker doesn't recuse himself from the Mueller investigation any role he plays will be exposed to the public he said that you'll be exposed um and i love him and and whitaker You know, as you know, he was installed as the acting attorney general the day after the midterm elections. We kind of saw this coming. Everyone freaked out. But we're like, if you listen to this show, you were like, yeah, this was going to happen. And his appointment has been met with intense scrutiny. Top congressional Democrats wrote a letter Sunday to Lee Loftus. He's the top ethics guy at Maine Justice, and he's a Trump appointee. And they demanded that Whitaker recuse himself and vowed to use their newly gained power in the House to block him from interfering with it. Uh, We'll send a picture of that letter out in our weekly newsletter for you. Uh, Representative Jerry Nadler, the soon to be chair of the House Judiciary Committee, so Schiff is the Intel Committee, Nadler is the Judiciary Committee, he said he would subpoena Whitaker if need be to question him about his expressed hostility toward the Russia probe. And the members also threatened to attach legislation protecting Robert Mueller in the upcoming must pass spending bill. Now, later in the week, that's like this month, guys, <laughs> later in the week, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Blah, blah, <laughs> <coughs> Like, he should just always be met with sad tuba music. We should add that little sad trombone. <laughs> he doesn't deserve even a trombone. It's like sad tuba music. Boom, boom. Yeah. And a tortoise in the hair, he would still lose. <laughs> he would. Because <laughs> he's on his back, kicking his stupid legs that probably have chins. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Anyway, so Mitch McConnell blocked Senators Coons and Flake from bringing up legislation to protect Mueller. And Dems have not said whether or not they'd be willing to shut down the government if that must-pass spending bill is not passed because they believe they have bipartisan support for it. There's a lot of uh, Republicans who who are into this. Oh, yeah. Um, she Col- talked about that last week right mm-hmm. yeah and collins is one of them but i don't believe a word she says and flake is kind of a flake so <laughs> have you seen that meme like with the the guy
2: that's with the girlfriend and he looks at the other chick and it's jeff flake and he's all three people <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's brilliant yeah i have seen that meme yeah. that's
4: amazing you could also do the one you know where the guy's sneaking up on the guy in the suit mm-hmm. and they could both be jeff flake i love it he should be the
3: spokesperson for head and shoulders <laughs>
4: And Mitch McConnell for no neck. I don't know yeah. <laughs> chin cream. There you go. Uh, you, you don't even need beards. Mitch McConnell should be the spokesman for beards because <laughs> he should have a beard to hide his no yeah. chin. Oh. Beards, what they're for. <laughs> <laughs> Beards brought to you by chins. <laughs> sorry if you're for chin shaming. <laughs> we're gonna get in trouble. I know. Only we're gonna, bad people. There's I so many did. things you could say. Why do you have to attack their looks? We're comedians. Uh, and he looks funny. And <laughs> uh, sorry.
2: Most importantly, we're comedians.
4: Yeah, I know. You know what? I'm sorry. We're I'm low brow. We're not above that. No. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean we go lower. It just means we're low brow. That's just where we. I go low. We go low brow. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it, I was born here. <laughs> I was born in the gutter. <laughs> um, anyway, where what was I even talking about? Oh, McConnell—he blocked the bill, right? And and so, um, despite all the warnings, the all these like all this crazy, uh, you know, um, anti-support, I guess, coming out for Whitaker, even coming from Republican side, all this just this intense scrutiny. Uh, the the Department of Justice legal counsel issued a letter saying Whitaker's appointment is allowed under the Vacancies Act. That's there. That's basically in the government. What happens is if you have something like a torture thing program you want to do or uh, appointing a, uh, <laughs> the masculine toilet guy, you have to get the legal counsel to sign off on it and say it's legal. Remember, we went over all that in the Comey book. And the Office of Legal Counsel, if the president or if somebody is like breathing down their neck to make it work, you know, sometimes they'll make it work. That doesn't work for regular government, for regular folks. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it takes a year and a half for shit to go through legal counsel. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the legal counsel said it's allowed under the Vacancies Act, Whitaker's uh, appointment, which then the Vacancies Act basically says any senior level official in a high level position, that's a GS-15 or higher. Uh, I'm a GS-14, so that kind of gives you an idea of how not important you have to be. Um, (laughs) If you're a GS-15 or higher for more than 90 days, you can become the acting AG. And uh, many Dems argue the constitutionality of that, of the Vacancies Act, because the AG is a principal officer, and the Constitution clearly states that the principal officers must be confirmed by the Senate. And as of this recording, Whitaker has uh, indicated he does not intend to recuse, and he's also saying that he will not cut the Mueller budget. So... Who knows? I th- like I've said a million times, I think the only reason he's there is to get info on the Mueller investigation to give to Trump. I think that's the only reason he's there. Oh, yeah. There.
3: Yeah. When they asked
4: if he was going to cut it, he's like, what budget? <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, smooth,
4: Whitaker. Smooth. <laughs> nice. Um, when asked about the attorney general appointment this week, the Washington Post interviewed Trump. And Trump pulled another Lester Holt this week. This was big news and it just sort of went by cuz it he just says so many dumb things and i think that's kind of his MO. He's like, i'm going to say so many dumb things that when i say dumb illegal things, no one will we'll notice. Yeah. But when he was asked about and you remember when Trump was asked about the firing of Comey during the interview with Lester Holt and he said, "You know, this whole Russia thing, this thing with Russia, you know, when he did that whole thing, he, that was on my mind when i when i fired Comey basically. Um, And then he told um, a couple of Russians in the Oval Office that he had the Russia thing off his back because he fired Comey. Well, in an interview this week with The Washington Post, Trump did the exact same thing. He was asked about Whitaker uh, because he's temporary. And when Whitaker's done, whether or not he was going to appoint Chris Christie, maybe Chris Christie could become his permanent nominee to attorney general. And Trump replied by saying the Russia investigation (laughs) should never have been had it should never have been had like he repeated that a couple times and he just talked about russia and the washington post guy was like uh, okay <clears throat> didn't ask yep. <laughs> you about russia but uh thank you for that and i could you could tell by the by the reporter's response even though it's just a written interview you could tell they were like holy shit and i i can just see fucking Mueller, like god stop obstructing justice so i could finish my report (laughs) like he has to keep adding on it's like me trying to wrap the news up at the end of the week like stop news stop and uh yeah i can't i just can't imagine Mueller like stop you know cut it out i gotta finish my report he's got a family to get back to trump come on stop
1: breaking the law asshole
4: in in other Whitaker news this week, the Maryland Attorney General filed a motion piggybacking on an existing lawsuit asking a judge to block Whitaker because his appointment doesn't follow the Department of Justice Successions Act, and they're asking the judge to order that Rosenstein be put in charge instead. They're just saying, they're just skipping to the, you know, cut to the chase. Um, this isn't constitutional. You need to make Rosenstein the acting AG, and the judge could... Order it. The judge could so order that, and that's hilarious to me. Uh, This motion is tied to a lawsuit filed in September against Jeff Sessions, uh, the racist possum, defending parts of the Affordable Care Act. And since Sessions is no longer attorney general, um, these guys are asking the judge to rule on a successor as a defendant in order for that case to proceed. And they're saying Whitaker cannot be that defendant because... Um, Whitaker said that Supreme Court ruling upholding the ACA was one of the worst rulings in the court's history. Uh, so that's a kind of a conflict of interest. So <laughs> we'll keep you posted on the ruling in this case as we get updates. But apparently, this is happening in hundreds of cases across the country. People who've been suing Jeff Sessions mm-hmm. are saying we can't use Whitaker uh, as a as a defendant. You have to, and so there could be a hundred court cases asking judges, and any one of them could say, "Yeah, you're right. I'm making Rosenstein the Attorney General." So it's just interesting, or acting attorney general, I should say, because of the Successions Act and the Constitution saying that this is a principal officer, it has they have to be confirmed by the Senate, and Rosenstein has been confirmed by the Senate. Mm-hmm. No one really, it's just amazing that he's not the acting AG like, by default. Yeah. Just I think 2019 will be an interesting year with all these cases <laughs> coming out. Oh, it should be super fantastic. <laughs> I'm very excited
3: yeah i don't really understand why rosenstein also had to go because it's like you're getting rid of one person not every decision that they've ever made and all the people they've ever appointed you know mm-hmm. like if if whatever i don't know yeah secretary of state or
4: something gets replaced <clears throat> does his entire cabinet also go away too yeah no yeah that's weird Uh, Also Tuesday, CNN sued the White House over Trump revoking Jim Acosta's hard press pass because of that doctored video incident uh, where a female uh, staffer tried to grab... She's not an intern. She's an actual staffer. Uh, I think she's an associate principal, assistant, deputy, communications director. She's like an aide to an aide to an aide for the communications department. Uh, She tried to grab the microphone away from Jim Acosta, and uh, that's my new boyfriend, by the way. And uh, later in the... Sorry, McCabe. (coughs) You can... You can be on weekends, but uh, <laughs> later in the week, a judge ruled in favor of CNN and reinstated Acosta's pass, along with granting him a restraining order that he filed against the White House. So I'm not sure how that works. Like, yeah, they kind of cancel out. Is he going to stand outside? Like the White House can't come within 500 yards of me. I don't understand how that works. That's funny. Can
2: America ask for a restraining order against Trump?
4: <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> that would be great, right? Like um, I, I feel a little threatened, <laughs> incredibly threatened um it's important it's important to note though and i want to i want to make sure that this is clear that ruling was not about the first amendment as sarah huckabee sanders said she's like the first amendment mm, con face she, it's not about it's got nothing to do with the first amendment they didn't even touch the first amendment it was ruled on the fifth amendment which is due process and, mm-hmm. and basically what happened is they revoked his press pass he'd already had access to the white house no one is saying everybody deserves access to the white house the guy who already had access to the White House had that credential revoked without due process, and that's what why the judge reinstated it, and I guess... Um the restraining order probably disallows them from taking it again Unless the due process is followed
2: mm-hmm. Or it could be from the, uh, the mic chick She can't get with within I was just gonna say. 500 feet of him <laughs> <laughs> did you, did you see the SNL sketch With yes. Cecily Strong you know,
3: That's like one of my favorite sketches in a long really? time yeah. So
4: good with her up and down kitty And the thing and She's trying I need, to take I need your microphone Cecily Strong She's the jam
3: And then their doctored video Yeah It's so amazing
4: It's so good with the kick and the fall off the the cliff And the the big animated (laughs) punching hand with the boxing glove Oh my god If you haven't seen it, it, we're not doing it justice You gotta go watch it uh, Uh, There was a lot of Roger Stonehenge news this week And I'll go over that in Hot Notes But I wanted to discuss uh, the history uh, with Stone and his election protests In light of what happened in Florida this week and joining us today to discuss Roger Stone's long con into election stealing is the author of the newsletter called Popular Information. Please welcome Judd Legum. Judd, welcome to Mueller, she wrote. Thanks for having me. No problem. We appreciate you uh, coming on today. So so this week we saw protests down in Florida, mostly angry right-wingers demanding to put eyes on the recount. And we saw Matt Gates down there, uh, you know, uh, demanding to be let into the building. And they were chanting, lock her up in reference to the female registrar of voters, which sounded eerily familiar to us. <laughs> and and we're looking at the deployment of a strategy. Are we, are we looking at the deployment of a strategy that went unused in the 2016 election?
5: Yeah. Roger Stone started this um, political action committee, Stop the Steal, uh, in preparation for the 2016 election. Uh, he was also going to conduct his own exit polls. Uh, so that he could prove that Trump had actually won. This was all assuming that Hillary was going to win, and then effectively claim that the election was was illegitimate. Uh, now, as we know, he didn't need to use that, but he's kind of had it on tap uh, from since that time, and uh, now it's it's become more useful uh, for, for him. So he's unrolling the playbook, even as. He really becomes the focal point of the Mueller investigation, and his ties to uh, WikiLeaks uh, seem to be really where a lot of the the action is uh, so it's interesting that he still thinks that it's a good time to deploy these kind of tactics
4: right you're you're right he's kind of a fulcrum uh, for the for almost the entire at least one one side of the, of the Mueller investigation, Manafort and all that being the other, but I think they all have their hands in the pot. And he said, he's going to be indicted. His, uh, associate Corsi, Jerome Corsi has, has said on his, uh, uh, wildly popular radio show that he, he thinks he's going to be indicted. And, and now in just last night, we got that accidental copy and paste filing error about Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. Um, being charged or being uh, already charged under seal. We still don't have too many details forthcoming about that as the Department of Justice hasn't really commented, neither has the Mueller investigation. But I do remember back in 2016, when Trump was at his rallies, he was kind of paving the way, like sort of setting the scene about the election being rigged. And if it if he lost, it's because it was rigged. And uh, that uh, he even went as far, I think, didn't he say that he was not going to concede the election if he lost?
5: Yeah, I think he was hinting at that. I don't know if he said it outright because I, I don't know if he was ready to concede he was definitely going to lose. I certainly don't think he was planning on winning uh, by by setting up the idea that the election was rigged. And, of course, even after he won, he claimed the election was rigged and that billions of illegal people voted. He was actually the rightful victor of the popular vote uh, as well. But yeah, I, I think Roger Stone thinks that everyone is really dumb. Uh, he – seemed to know at all the key points exactly what was happening, uh, what was going to happen. He repeatedly bragged about his back channels and discussions with WikiLeaks in all sorts of formats, both publicly and then in emails that have come out as this investigation progressed. And and his explanations are incredible. I mean, he's basically just saying, oh, that was just a joke. I was just – kind of, you know, puffing up uh, everything. And and I think the walls are are closing in on him finally.
4: Yeah. and And it kind of, he almost, Trump almost sort of shoots himself in the foot on this if he tries to use this as a defense, because he could say that, you know, the fact that Stone set up this pack and we were planning on losing proves that I didn't think I would win. And and, you know, if I thought I wasn't going to win, how could I think I wasn't going to win if I, you know, colluded with the Russians? But then in that admission, he's basically saying, you know, we were planning on, you know, fighting it and and setting up all these paid uh, protests. And, uh, you know, he would have kind of revealed their plan on on how to sort of do the whole stop the steal and employ the super PAC and kind of deploy that idea that of Roger Stone. So it's kind of a double edged sword for him. So well I we appreciate you coming on today and having this discussion. It's been really enlightening. Everyone you can subscribe to Judd's newsletter. It's called Popular Information. It's a newsletter about politics for people who give a damn. You can find it at popular.info and definitely follow him on Twitter at Judd Legum. Judd, thanks for being with us today on Mueller, She Wrote.
5: Thanks thanks for having me. It was fun.
4: Then on Wednesday, George Conway, the third. Um and I shouldn't make fun of thirds because Robert Swan Muller is the third. Uh, Kellyanne Conway's husband his odd husband I I call her the odd husband (laughs) um, or him I should say sorry George Conway he created a group a little group of folks called checks and balances and he did this the day before the Federalist Society met this week Conway uh, has been an open critic of Trump um, not Kellyanne but George and recently argued against the constitutionality of the birthright citizenship thing and the appointment of Matthew fucking Whitaker not being constitutional and uh, this new group includes Tom Ridge, the former governor of Pennsylvania, Peter Kessler, a former acting attorney general under Bush, several law professors, legal professors, and the wife of the current president of the Federalist Society. And that's funny. Um, <laughs> Mr. Conway uh, was a longtime member of the Federalist Society. Federalist Society is the one who puts the list of, you know, uh, judges that are going to overturn Roe v. Wade, puts that list together. Um, so that's who the Federalist Society is. Super conservative. Um, so Conway was a member of the Federalist Society, but he warns that there are conservative lawyers that have sold their souls for judges and regulatory reform, and he feels the need uh, to be a voice for speaking out against that, and and also that encourages others to do the same. Other conservatives. So it's a safe space, guys. He <laughs> that made sounds a, lovely.
3: He made a safe space and like a very interesting marriage.
4: Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, it like reminds me of the Carvillian. K- yeah, it's Carvillian. <laughs> that's a that's a great way oh. to put it. Uh, mine is the same way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> My husband's way hotter than George Conway, though. Just saying. Uh, are we James allowed Carm- to agree with that? I wonder. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, good for you. <laughs> I'm
2: yeah, he's a, he's a dashing young chap. Yes, he's
4: young. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. He's got a think.
2: young. Uh, he's he's a lot of energy too. He him. has
4: a beard. He knows what beards are for. He's hipster like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> also this week, Mueller and Manafort's lawyers asked for a ten day extension to give the court their update on the cooperation agreement. Ah, uh, this report was due Friday, but they asked to be given until November twenty sixth. I think Mueller wants to wait until he indicts Stone and friends. Uh, sounds like a show. Yeah. Uh, Stone and friends. Uh, like Barney, but for yeah. adult criminals. <laughs> adult criminals, exactly. Um, still just as weird looking, but adult criminals. <laughs> oh yeah. But yeah, I think Mueller wants to wait until he indicts Stone before he provides a public report showing how Manafort helped the Russia investigation because he doesn't want to tip anyone off. Right. He doesn't want to release a report to the courts saying, yeah, uh, Manafort gave us stone before he indicts stone. Um, We reported on this a while back when crazy ass Honey Badger Judge Ellis (laughs) asked for a report illustrating how helpful Manafort has been. And he wanted them to name the people he helped. He's helped convict. And I think Mueller thought Trump would have handed uh, in his answers on collusion before Friday as well, Uh, but he didn't. And I don't think Mueller wants to finish his indictment without those, uh, because I think that Trump is going to be an unnamed co-conspirator, an unindicted co-conspirator, unnamed. Well, we'll know it's him (laughs) like we did in the Cohen uh, plea or guilty guilty plea. We'll know, we'll know who it is. They'll be like, it'll it'll say the current president of the United States. It just (laughs) won't name him, but he will be an unindicted co-conspirator in these, in these documents. And he can't get that in there until Trump hands in his questions. So because Trump has been slow rolling this, Mueller asked for the extension and he hadn't. um, So he can't. Okay. Let me, I'll get you, I'll, I'll get to a timeline in a second, but Gates, the Gates sentencing was also moved to January 15th. So all kinds of delays as, as Mueller wraps up this part of the investigation, that's conjecture. And I'm going to go over this in more detail later in the show, but I think that that's the order in which things have to happen for, for Mueller. Uh, Trump has to turn his homework in first and then Mueller indicts for crimes of collusion. And then he can file his Manafort report to the court.
0: No more rhymes now. I mean it.
4: Anybody want to feel
0: it? Yeah.
4: So I don't know. What do you guys think?
3: Yeah, I agree. That makes sense. It's like Manafort's such a key person in all of this. I can't imagine he would release anything that's going to tip anybody off until some of the biggest parts of this investigation are done. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, and there's probably stuff in future indictments that he's that aren't even going to be in the Stone indictments. And he's like, and and, and in, in fact, in the in the court filing to push it back ten days, Mueller's like, I think you'll be very impressed with what we can give you if you just give us ten more days. Mm. And so and 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 Mueller fought that too like um, I, I can't remember how many weeks ago it was when when crazy ass honey badger asked him for the info he's like i can't give it to you yet. <laughs> these are open and ongoing investigations man i can't tip anybody off but i really honestly think that once trump turns in his collusion homework mm-hmm. no collusion it's just it's just says that and it's extra treason credit <laughs> <laughs> uh and so once he hands that in Mueller can incorporate it into the indictments. He'll be an unindicted co-conspirator. I think this will come back to Trump. I think the Stone indictments will come back to Trump either through Bannon or Don Jr. or both, and uh, all those people will be indicted, and then he can turn in Manafort's thing, saying, "Here you go, man. He he helped us get all these because <laughs> he brought us Bannon. Totally. And then and then um you know the Manafort got him Stone, and then he's going to use Stone to get Trump. So that's. Oh, I see it going. Yeah, that makes sense to me. It's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the suspense is killing me. We all look like meerkats popping up over our <laughs> microphones because everyone was waiting for me to cough. <laughs> it's like the beat about to drop. That was great. Um, twenty five eleven. That was funny. And it was it? Hang on. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> Sorry, too many frogs in the throats. It's Santa Ana's, man. They're killing me. Oh, man. Yeah. White people problems. <laughs> White people problems. Um, are we back yet? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we ever left. Like, yeah, yeah, that's true. We can just If we didn't peek, it sounds fine. okay. We can keep it in. Yeah. Care.
3: All right. Well, all I was going to say, is this crazy how Stone is turning out to be sort of the crux of all of this because he's just there's so many webs that go to him? is such a
4: a turning, uh, just a key. Yeah, it kind of makes you forget about Flynn. Like, what was Flynn even for? (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Flynn who? I totally forgot for a minute. (laughs) You're
4: like, there's a whole other side to this whole thing. And then the whole XAML, Eric Prince, Seychelles stuff. And Mm -hmm. then the whole, you know, but Cohen's tied into that with the Prague things. And then there's Papa. Like, it's crazy. But Stone, and and I have to say, I agree with you, Jordan, because the two cases that Mueller's hung on to, are stone and Manafort. Mm-hmm. That means that those are probably the two most consequential cases uh, in the Russia probe, and he's handed off the rest, and he's trying to keep his scope nice and narrow so that no one can poke holes in it. Mm-hmm. He'd be a good gyno. All right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what? And an alter- I don't know how I got there. I'm like, scope, narrow. <laughs> well, Mueller is just comforting, I guess.
4: <laughs> or caves. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, assuming you're narrow. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> <clears throat> um, Dr. Muller. <laughs> Dr. Muller She would dream gynecologist.
3: <laughs> <laughs> sorry, what? I don't know. I, my brain's
4: <laughs> broken, guys. I'm sorry.
3: I don't know. Um, I feel like Stone, you know how there are people that want to be martyrs and, you know, if they're revolutionary and it's like, if I'm going to die, I'm dying in a fire of justice-y martyrdom. I feel like that's how Stone feels. Yeah. <laughs> Like,
4: and it's like he, he wants to die on this hill.
3: And he so badly wants to be relevant.
4: hmm
3: That's, his whole life is just him wanting to be relevant in the cause of something that people are talking about.
4: He doesn't care if it isn't true. It's he kind just, of how I figure about Jacob Wool too. Like yeah, he, that's, yeah. He just wants to be relevant. Mm-hmm. Bad or good. Infamous or not. Right. Um, what was that
3: stone quote? It's like, it's better to be, I don't know, something that's basically, it's better to be infamous than...
4: To like no one know you at burn all. Burn out and fade away. Wow. I don't know mm. what is it unless it's raining. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go. We'll talk about that later. That's great. Uh, also, this week in an article by the Washington Post about there was a judge basically this week who refused to dismiss Mueller's case against Putin's chef Yevgeny Prigozhin. Um nice. Oh, thanks. I've been <laughs> I've been polishing polishing my uh, accent there. No, but, but yeah, that was a big story, right? Uh, the judge dismissed because the that whole Concord Management or whatever it was called, they were like, uh, you know, in Yevgeny Prigozhin's, like, we we want you to dismiss case, <laughs> and the judge said no, and so it can continue. Every single time that that Mueller has been um, challenged, Mueller has won. Mm-hmm. So whatever he's doing, it's working. But in buried in that story. Uh there's a mention about Rudy Giuliani who hasn't spoken up much recently. Uh he, and he said that Trump's written questions are legally problematic. Some of them are <laughs> legally problematic for Trump. Stop breaking the law, asshole. Uh as of the recording of this show, Trump has yet to hand them in. Um I, I think he knows once he hands them in, the shit's going to hit the fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Friday, Trump had an impromptu press conference where he said he answered all the questions by himself, (laughs) which is absurd. You need to say that. What a dick. Also. (laughs) There's no way his lawyers would let him write the answers to those questions. Um, He also called some of the questions perjury traps. And I have to say, I'm really sick of the term. Um, They've been saying it over and over again. It's absolutely meaningless, like deep state. It has no meaning. Perjury traps, catch perjurers. Okay. That's mm-hmm. the end of story. Yeah. And then he, he, he tried to go on to give an example about it, about what a perjury trap question is like. <laughs> and he talks about how being asked about the weather and if it's sunny. And then if you say it's not raining and you don't say it's sunny, you could be charged with perjury. Mm. Like he's an expert on going out in the rain in the first place. <laughs> Like, shut up about the rain. And and what in the hell are you talking about? He is losing his mind. Did yeah. you see him talking about the fires and how we just forgot to rake our leaves and that's why California burned down? Oh he is insane. He's scrambling, yeah. He, it, either that or he's actually, the syphilis is taking hold. Oh. Um, I, I think he might have dementia caused by syphilis. This is, that's <laughs> way space beans, guys. Super, super tinfoil <laughs> beanie level that's, right there. Yeah. Don't, that's not reported anywhere at all. I have nothing. To intuition. <laughs> I have nothing to back that up. <laughs> that is just my feeling about the man. Now back to just the facts. <laughs> and if you do think you might have syphilis, go get it checked. It's treatable. Yeah. It's treatable. It's free at the clinic, at the Planned Parenthood clinic, and you will not get dementia. But it can lead to dementia. It happened to, uh, what's his face? Scarface. That's El- right. El that's right. Yeah. in, in Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. He went nuts because of syphilis. Yeah. Uh, This episode's brought to you by a (laughs) Planned (laughs) Parenthood. Get checked. Uh, As you may have heard, Trump has holed up in the shite house this week. And that's a typo and I'm leaving it. Uh, (laughs) We've heard reports that he's really angry and very sad. Um, He didn't go to the 100th anniversary of the armistice when he was in France. Um, He didn't visit the graves of the veterans while he was there, nor did he visit Arlington on Veterans Day because it was raining. Trump said he didn't want to cause traffic, but Arlington is literally two minutes away. You can see Arlington from the White House. We um, started a hashtag on Twitter, hashtag unless it's raining, where you take a famous quote and add unless it's raining at the end. And we got a lot of good ones, including... Wait, I got to get my accent right. Oh, yeah, yeah. We choose to go to the moon and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard, (gasps) unless it's raining. (laughs) And, of course, do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light unless it's raining. (laughs) And my, uh, well, not yet my favorite, but this one was good. Uh, Not though the soldiers knew someone had blundered. There's not to make reply. There's not to reason why. There's but to do and die. Unless it's raining. (laughs) And my favorite was Yoda. Do or do not, there is no try. Unless raining, it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> well done. Oh, that's so that's so good. I figured my friends of making Star Wars would love that. Now this is podcasting.
2: I love our Muller junkies. They're so clever.
4: They are. And go check out their thread, that thread. There's hundreds of, of really great quotes. Uh, tag us at MullerSheWrote. Use the hashtag unless it's raining. It's really fun.
3: The Yoda voice will always be traumatizing to me because I had mm. a small job teaching uh, SAT prep classes last year and... I uh, the one they tell us they're like try to engage your students by talking in a funny accent and then like one of the workbook <laughs> questions they're like all right ask someone from the class to read a question in a Yoda accent and then of course no one wanted to so I'm like
4: okay I will I like how they call it an accent yeah <laughs> like like it's yeah. like it's local
3: it just didn't pay off at all I was like oh they'll everyone appreciate in Dagobah talks like that
4: oh yeah yeah oh man they just
3: looked at me like in horrified embarrassment mm. just a bunch of sixteen year olds just just dorking I'm like. Rob went through the story. he did. It was fucking <laughs> awful. <It> was <laughs> Those <so> poor kids <laughs> are traumatized.
4: So bad. <laughs> and he doesn't speak in SAT. He's grammatically incorrect. Well, that's, so... that's the point. That's oh. why it's Yoda. Because... That's funny.
3: Yeah, he mm. speaks not like they want you to speak.
4: <sighs> well, in any case, Trump's been in a very bad mood. Um, Stephen Beschloss, presidential historian and MSNBC contributor, said he thinks that it could be because Whitaker read him in on the Mueller investigation. Or it might have to do with the fact that he had to work, do work for three days on the Mueller questions. That's probably the most work he's ever done in his whole life. <laughs> in fact, then I started thinking, in fact, the only work he's probably ever done is working on depositions and lawsuits and defending himself in legal matters. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's the elections, uh, as I mentioned in the interview with Josh Legum, because I don't think he cares about anybody but himself. So, you know, what is it?
1: What's up, your crop, punk?
4: And if any of you know where that clip comes from, I will be super impressed. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Why is Trump pissed at the furniture? Why is he so mad? Like, he's he's extra mad. Like, everyone's like, oh, he's always mad. But, like, people around him have said he is now mad at everything. He's extra pissed.
2: Post-midterms anger, perhaps? Mm. Totally. Because he probably was not betting on actually losing. He seems like the kind of guy who... Maybe he didn't want to win the presidency, but when he does want to win something. I don't something, think it's the
4: election because it wasn't about him. Well, I mean, but, just
2: in general, like I know in the past, like we've discussed that he maybe didn't want to win the, his election. But with the
4: midterms, it seemed like he actually did want to win. No, I don't. I you don't think, think he, so? He didn't. He wasn't running. Well,
2: he seemed like he wanted I, the party maybe, to win, the I Republican think, Party. I
4: don't think he cares about the Republican Party, but I think what you're getting at, I think what would be what is a good point that you're making is that he had all those rallies before the midterms where everyone loves him. Yeah. And, he, and he's and he got all this wonderful attention from the tiny little rural places that he went. And now he doesn't have that anymore. He's alone in the White House. He has PMS. He has post-midterm syndrome. Oh, <laughs> I like that.
3: Yeah. I also think this is just by far the worst place he's been in as a president since he's been in office. And he's... Uh, losing control more and more and more Mm -hmm. and he's psychotic and anyone that's an authoritarian
4: person losing control is going to make them go insane yeah Mm -hmm. like when you corner a sick animal or whatever (laughs) um let's see here wednesday we're only on wednesday this is a long show you guys i told you seriously get go out for a walk you will burn like 900 calories (laughs) um wednesday we a guest we've had on our podcast was arrested And booked on felony assault charges. Michael Avenatti posted $50,000 bail and he's awaiting his first court appearance. And I don't care. I don't want to hear about it. (laughs) Uh, I was trounced on Twitter for asking Avenatti to explain himself by like rabid diehard Avenatti fans um, for even hinting that he might be guilty because he was arrested. Um, Of course, Jacob Wool and Surefire Intelligence, who tried to frame Mueller for sexual assault, took credit for the arrest. So the whole thing stinks but i do not have an opinion on his guilt either way i want to hear from the victim i believe the women first um and i want to wait to hear more about the facts before i make a judgment about whether this was a frame job or not but holy hell you avenatti fans are vicious i asked twitter what we should call avenatti vicious uh, avenatti rabid fans and we got let's see we got Avenutters, um <laughs> Basta bosta bros mm. uh b- bastards
3: <laughs> <coughs> that
4: one's hard to discern though in it text <clears throat>
3: bastards.
4: It, 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 it's 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 good in in writing because you could like maggots mm-hmm. m-a-g-a all capital with little t-s yeah you could do b-a-s-t-a and all capitals with rds at the end but you, t- saying it boster bastards mm-hmm. it's hard to say hmm. uh A- was one. Oh. Um, And Bostafarians That's my favorite one And I think Bostafarians is my favorite Because I don't think we should attribute the Nazi word to people Unless they're actually acting like Nazis Mm -hmm. Uh, But y'all need to chill the fuck out I don't know if he did it But the dude is a douche Unfollow me if you want to marry him I don't care (laughs) Uh, Also Wednesday Lawyers in an immigration case have asked for the Trump Apprentice tapes And Jaleesa will go over that later in the show Uh, Then in this week's installment of Beans Come True Let's take a listen to what I had to say about Khashoggi as he relates to the Turkish cleric Gulen. Well, it's important to note that in 2016, Saudi Arabia basically exiled Khashoggi for talking trash on Trump. Mm -hmm. So there's a motive. Uh, And another note to this story, just this week, Turkey released Brunson, one of our guys that they've had for a while, a pastor. I'm not sure if they're trying to curry favor with Trump or making some sort of trade, but I'd be very interested to see what happens with Gulen in the coming weeks. He's the Turkish cleric that Erdogan tried to give Michael Flynn $15 million to kidnap and extradite to Turkey. So I'm not sure what yet. I'm not sure what the motive is, but Trump is a very transactional man. Well, just like we said, it's it's reported this week that Trump had asked for options to legally remove Gulen from the United States, to extradite him to Turkey, where he would no doubt be tortured and killed. And the crazy thing is, is that Trump asked these questions of his National Security Council about a month ago when we were saying that he would. So Trump is clearly trying to appease Erdogan so that he will lay off Mohammed Bonsa in the murder of Khashoggi, heavy squid pro-crow. Then the CIA determined Friday that the murder of Khashoggi was directly ordered by Mohammed Bonsa or Mohammed bin Salman, Mbissa, we call him. Mm-hmm. And uh, while sanctions have been enacted, uh, they haven't been enacted against MBS, nor has Trump said he would pull the arms deal. So we'll keep you posted. But Iran is a terrorist state. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. hmm. Uh, Also this week, another 30-page document was filed in the mystery Mueller subpoena battle, but no additional details were forthcoming. We talked about this last week or the week before. I think it was last week. There's a, uh, you know, the Andrew Miller case is working its way through the courts back and forth. Andrew Miller had to uh, not hold himself in contempt. I always say that, but basically ask the court to hold him in contempt Mm -hmm. um, so that he could appeal and and they want to challenge Mueller's constitutionality in the D.C. Circuit Court, which is considered the second highest court in the land. Uh, Well, there's a second sealed subpoena battle going on. Some people were positing it was Trump. Some people were saying it was Junior. I thought it was uh, Randy Credico. Um, We don't know. There's still no information on it, but a 30-page report was filed in that case this week. It's going to the D.C. court, Mm -hmm. I think, Mm -hmm. December. Um, In Papadopoulos news, his old lawyers finally filed divorce papers, (laughs) (laughs) legally ending their relationship. But even weirder, Papadop's new lawyers are seeking an order for a continuance of his bail pending the outcome of Andrew Miller's case, asserting it would directly impact the validity of Papadopoulos' conviction and prosecution. So basically, he wants to wait to see if the judge finds that Mueller should never have been appointed and he's unconstitutional, because then maybe um, Papadopoulos could have his um, conviction stayed. That's Hmm. stupid. Good luck with that. Yeah, but he wants to wait to go to jail, because he's a baby. (laughs) I want to see the light of day (laughs) one more time. What a toad. Uh, We'll be right back. This episode of Muller She Wrote is brought to you by Zola. Zola is reinventing the wedding registry and planning process to make the happiest moments in couples' lives even happier. I went on the website, and man, I wish I had this when I married my Reagan Republican man two years ago. It's super easy to use. Um, not only do you have the registry, but they have tools for making your own free wedding website. Um, you have tools to make save the date announcements and invitations. We call them save the dates, and all kinds of other wedding planning tools. Um, the wedding website is free, and you can personalize your own design. The registry has over 500 top brands like Cuisinart and Sonos and Oxo, and they even let you create funds, uh, like you know if you want to you know just raise money for your honeymoon or a down payment on a house or whatever. And you can register for gift cards too, so you don't have to go to five different sites to get all the things you need. It's all in one place. I went there. The navigation is super easy. It's awesome. You can start building your free wedding website and get $50 off your registry by visiting Zola.com slash A-G. That's Z-O-L-A.com slash A-G and get $50 off today. You'll be glad you did. All right. Welcome back. Hot
6: notes.
4: All right. We are back. And today, Jordan is going to give us a scoop on Facebook. But first, in our new subsegment, The Racial Maddow Show, mm-hmm. Jaleesa has a story about the <laughs> Trump Apprentice tapes. Jaleesa? Oh, yeah. So
2: um, I wonder, too, should I do this in racial mannerisms or just go right through it?
4: No, just go right through okay, it. Okay. And, and, and explain, is that your Instagram handle? It's
2: my Insta and my Snapchat handle. And I was just thinking, there's this rapper named Hoodie Allen, and it's like a... Homage to Woody Allen. And I was like, what kind of like fun thing could I think of? And then after a lot of dumb ideas, Rachel Maddow just stood out. So I like it. I just think it's it just feels right.
4: It works. At Rachel Maddow. There we go. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So on Wednesday, The Washington Post published an article by Alana Richer called Lawyers Seek Apprentice Tapes in Trump Immigration Suits. So uh, here's what we need to know. A group of civil rights lawyers are suing Trump for his decision to end special protections, shielding certain immigrants from deportation. So they've already issued subpoenas to MGM Holdings Incorporated and Trump Productions LLC demanding that any footage shot during the production of The Apprentice, in in which Trump, quote, uses racial and or ethnic slurs or makes remarks concerning race, nationality and or ethnic background should be released. So their hope is that by publicizing the unaired footage, they can prove that Trump has a history of racial bias and was likely racially motivated in his political decision making regarding this immigration law. Now... (laughs) I, I know what you're thinking. Uh, yeah, yeah. You don't like, really need say, to look at
4: old tapes. To like, through. I mean, you could bolster and maybe add to the giant pile of racist shit sure. he's already said. Yeah,
2: along with his tweets from last <clears throat> week,
4: I'm sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, it's also like maybe they should have looked at this before he got elected president of America. Definitely. Definitely. That's our bad. So.
3: Yeah,
4: and your first announcement shouldn't be that Mexicans are rapists. Oh. I'm running for president. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good so, luck passing an immigration bill, buddy. Mm hmm. This is where
2: we are. This is what we deserve. So <laughs> I get it. Uh, my personal theory is is not so much that the public will be outraged by this tape but that we can use you know his racist rhetoric in the court of law and get cases like this stacked against him in the argument for impeachment or something similar with this new house so we know that Omarosa and Michael Cohen have already gone on the record claiming that these tapes exist and insist that they've heard Trump make racist remarks towards African-Americans such as using the n-word
4: now is the whole thing about impeachment is that your conjecture that's just me okay. that's a personal
2: theory yeah yeah Thank you for making that clarification. So uh, basically, Trump denies this, of course. And he says that he, quote, does not have that word in his vocabulary and never has, Uh, which is already suspicious to me. Just personally, I just feel like you need to tell me that you're a rich white man who was born in the 1950s and you've never used the N word. I'm just not convinced. Like, I feel like even my woke white friends today have used the N-word every now and then. Like, just mainly to remember what it feels like to say it or just to rap along to their favorite hip-hop songs. Yeah,
4: no. Yeah, (laughs) basically to sing with Missy Elliott, but, like, really, that's about it. Yeah, yeah, and
2: I totally respect that. Or read Tom Sawyer.
4: Absolutely.
2: (laughs) I've said my fair share of, 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 you know, things out loud just to fill the rush. It's in his
4: vocabulary. It's it's gotta be. He hates black people. He's he's a Central Park Five. His dad kicked him out of the apartments. He totally hates black people, he thinks they're stupid, he thinks they're low IQ, mm-hmm. he thinks that they're lazy, he thinks they're thieves, 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 thieves. Yeah, yeah, thieves. no, you're right
2: though, this this is Trump. It's obvious, and mm-hmm. to say that
4: he, old he, dude only has 12 words in his vocabulary, one of them is an the N-word, <laughs> and we all know it. Yes, you're
2: absolutely right. So uh, I just, yeah, I don't trust anyone that says never said the N-word, especially someone like him. Um, But to the lawsuit, this particular case filed in Boston focuses on Trump's decision to end temporary protected status for thousands of immigrants from Haiti, El Salvador and Honduras. And temporary protected status provides a safe haven for people from countries experiencing armed conflicts, natural disasters, and other challenges. So this group called Lawyers for Civil Rights says in the lawsuit that Trump's decision to rescind the program was deeply rooted in his known hatred for immigrants of color.
4: Yeah, maybe the shithole countries thing will come into play, too. Yeah,
2: you think? (laughs) They even cited comments he made on the campaign trail, like you were saying, AG, and while in office. So attorney Oren Nimney said in a written statement that, quote, access to these videotapes will help further demonstrate that defendant Trump holds racially biased views that impact his policy and decision making. And the subpoenas they issued also seek to, uh, any relevant outtakes or audio clips, transcripts or anything just made during the production of The Apprentice. Yeah, B-roll. Oh, yeah. All that sweet B-roll footage. B-roll <laughs> with the N-word. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, they call it enroll on The Apprentice. That's <laughs> hilarious, Ag. Wow, so stupid, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> You're too kind. I love it.
2: In July, uh, a federal judge denied Trump's request to throw out this lawsuit and rejected the administration's bid to remove Trump as a defendant in the case. Nice try, Satan. And (laughs) in in a related case uh, last month, a federal judge in California issued a temporary injunction that bars Trump from ending the protections, stating that there's evidence that the president, quote, harbors an animus against. Is it animus? Yep. Yes. Against non-whites, non-European aliens which influenced his decision to end the TPS designation.
4: Yep. Non-European aliens is Yeah. Exactly very formal right.
2: way to say that's racist. Yeah. <laughs> so Animus. Yes. Animus. Yeah. It's a good one. I like it. They essentially sided with the lawyers for civil rights group on this one. However, Trump um, and his administration is appealing that ruling. So we'll put some beans on that. He's, he's won some uh, rulings in the past so I'm not holding my breath. Um, but as far as the Apprentice tapes themselves, the pressure is definitely on for the producers to release any unaired footage. Mg- MGM, which owns the tapes, says that they can't release them due to contractual obligations. Uh, specifically, the show's producer, Mark Burnett, said he doesn't have the ability or the right to release the footage, which makes me believe that the tapes do exist and have not been erased, right? Yeah, okay, so
4: who does have the right to release the footage? Exactly. Right. And the fact that it's called the footage yeah, and who, means it, and exists. it exists. Yeah, mm-hmm. and who owns the contract? Somebody has the right to release the footage. Yeah, it's all going to come back and Jacob will. I know it I just know it <laughs> Surefire intelligence
3: Yeah I feel like MGM can definitely do that I, I mean Because it's like
4: I don't know If I you're subpoenaed yeah. You actually have to Release that shit Yeah exactly. you actually technically do It doesn't even matter Like even health records Even private stuff that's uh, under the privacy act if it's subpoenaed it has to be released yeah they're it can, pushing be it under seal and stuff like that but I think in this case it would be it would be a public court proceeding and mm-hmm. we would all hear about it
2: yeah I can't wait until it finally gives um, so just to wrap it up I, I feel like if Mark Burnett knew what was good for him he would probably hold on to these tapes and use them as leverage against Trump so just like Cohen did you know maybe he, that's what he's waiting for but and um,
4: have, he has to release them yeah at that, some uh, point especially for if some, a court order yeah yeah.
2: Um, so right now shit mm-hmm. might be hitting the fan uh, considering that everyone wants their hands on these tapes uh, a former contestant on the apprentice who accused trump of unwanted groping and kissing has also requested footage in court and uh the subpoena issued in may by summer zervos his attorney requested tapes in court and tom arnold even has that little show on viceland called the hunt for the trump tape so i feel like this shit is obviously going mainstream and and i can't imagine that trump is happy about it so basically um we don't know whether or not any of these individuals have received the tapes yet, uh, but that's just where we are with that story for now. All
4: right, cool. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. uh, Rachel Maddow. The Thank shitty you. part, too,
2: is no one, none of his base would even care.
4: No. Right, right. They didn't care about pussy grabbing. They're not going to care about the N-word.
2: Yeah, but the politicians and with the with the pressure from the people that do care, um, I feel like we might be able to use it against him.
4: I, well, not in an impeachment. I don't think it's an impeachable offense. Um, but can't look good too though. I'm hoping that'll just no. I just don't think you can draft it in articles of impeachment. But what it can do is that all of those suburban um, districts that voted Democrat in mm-hmm. the midterm. We'll get more suburban districts because Mm. I don't think suburban women, you know, those 53 percent of white women voters that voted for Trump. I think that that would take a huge cut if this kind of stuff comes out. And there might be at that point some um, of the evangelicals who that might be their line. Um, I don't I don't know, though, if grabbing by pussy is is not the line that could be. um, They might need more. They could face intense scrutiny from um, black voters um mm-hmm. and and that is the the black caucus is you know has a lot of leverage and so it, it could do some political damage I, I, there's nothing illegal about it
2: right right good points though
4: uh, but it does bolster their case um in in why he shouldn't be able to rule on immigration um for non-european aliens
2: definitely i think
4: cool cool report thank you thank you and now Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> all right, Jordan, what do you have for us about the scathing report on Facebook this week?
3: Yes. I just want you all to know I took a long time trying to come up with a good title. Something about Zuckerberg and Fuckerberg <laughs> and Iceberg and it's, I've landed on nothing. Zuckery. I just want you to know I tried. And here we go.
4: <laughs> <laughs> the effort is important. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Y'all can appreciate that, right? Guys, yeah, listeners, yeah, patrons? Yeah. yeah. There was effort. <laughs>
3: yes thank you um all right so we know so much huh i think so thank you i think so too but i'm biased obviously <laughs> uh so <laughs> my own desperate need for validation <laughs> but so the, the a story came out this week that details pretty much everything and every way that facebook has reacted to the revelation that people's you know data has been stolen it's been sold off to cambridge analytica it's played a large role in the trump campaign and russia's act of infiltrating u.s elections and influencing voters so there's a whole this whole thing is just going to basically be about how their main overarching approach has been to deny and deflect and try to sweep stuff under the rug essentially um that might be unfair to say in general but you be the you be the decider the (laughs) decider maker what? <laughs> the decider in Why chief. Why is my brain not here? I like, I like <laughs> decider maker. The decider maker. We smoked a little bit of weed. I, I mean, guess you and I. so. I forgot. All right. <laughs> okay, here we go. You I promise. the decider maker. I worked hard on this, so I promise it's going to be good. Okay? All right. So, um, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, there's a piece gets published as an in-depth look at Facebook's role in containing and transparently reporting data security breaches that enabled the Russians to successfully infiltrate the minds of U.S. voters in the 2016 election. Basically, Facebook execs were at war with one another on how to handle the divulgence of what was happening. In a September 2017 meeting, security chief Alex Stamos—or is it Stamos? Stamos—is it John's brother? <laughs> yeah, God, I don't mm, know the less hot one. Because how much you know? He's... I'm gonna go with Stamos. Then. Yeah, it's um, called Uncle Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Jesse got chewed out by Facebook <laughs> <laughs> COO Cheryl Sandberg. For admitting that Facebook had not yet fully gotten a handle on the Russian interference that was happening on their network, Sandberg was absolutely livid, saying that Stamos had thrown them all under the bus by essentially admitting that they didn't have their shit together yet. Zuckerberg and Sandberg had chosen to deflect the blame instead and mask the problem when news came out about Cambridge Analytica receiving all of that data. According to insiders at the company, by the way, this article comes from over 50 different sources of people that are lawyers employees, you name it. Um, According to these insiders, the two hadn't diligently worked on cybersecurity at the company and generally would pass off cybersecurity matters to subordinates with little oversight. When outrage erupted by the public, they embarked on a smear campaign, essentially, against their online critics. They even paid a Republican oppo research
4: group to discredit activist protesters, linking them to George Soros. I heard about that. It was like Tim something or other. Um, who was a frequent guest on PodSave? Mm-hmm. And PodSave caught a bunch of shit for that. Yeah. Do you guys hear about that? I no. did not hear about yeah, that. Yeah, PodSave ca- caught a bunch of shit for employing that guy. He, They basically, PodSave wanted to have a, a Republican opposition voice sometimes to come in on their podcast. Well, it turns out that guy was part of that mm. PR firm that tried to. <laughs> help facebook mm-hmm. and and everyone got mad at PodSave and i'm like look if you if you're gonna be cool and have a republican voice on your podcast do you expect them not to be embroiled in some bullshit <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah
3: exactly like, i mean and that's kind of like we're getting shit on twitter right now for us being on facebook and using facebook as a tool because of what you know we're going to talk about right now mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and it's like i don't know people we'll, ta- we'll
4: talk about us on facebook when you're when you're when you're done there because perfect i want to talk about that okay
3: cool um, yeah, and and so another thing that that PR firm was doing, they were lobbying Jewish civil rights groups to label some of the criticisms as anti Semitic to try to get them offline. So there was some like, like, there was a poster that someone had that because uh, Zuckerberg and Sandberg are both Jewish. And there was a image that someone had made depicting them as having tentacles overreaching a large group of something. And it's supposed to look, it's supposed to represent a monopoly. Hmm. And someone, they like, so it said that they were making some anti-Semitic gesture by putting two Jewish people, you know, depicting them as some like Kraken-like creature and whatever. Come and- on, MySpace is doing okay.
4: <laughs> yeah, they're they're not finding themselves in these booster seats. It's not a monopoly. <laughs> yeah. Plenty of plenty of, of of other uh, you know, social media networks out yes. there. Oh yes. Just yes, as big yes. as Facebook. Yeah. That's true. My MySpace I'm page fine. is pretty great. I <laughs> MySpace is
3: where I got my start in social
2: media. Yeah, me too. All about them walls.
4: Yeah, mm, um, the I like the wall. music.
2: The music selection was my favorite part.
3: Mm, yeah, the, the top eight would make you lose inevitably. Number nine in real life, <laughs> and then they changed it to the top twelve.
4: Remember, they got, they <laughs> <Yeah>. increased their <laughs> friendship zone. Number
2: thirteen, just forgave me. <laughs> yeah.
4: the friend zone. They increased it. Yeah. <laughs> what a weird thing. Very weird. <laughs> um, but
3: but yeah, so also researchers from Myanmar, India, and Germany were warning Facebook that hateful propaganda was beginning to play a role in the propagation of hurtful and very racist government propaganda and even ethnic cleansing. Ugh. And Facebook virtually did nothing when they found this out and these researchers came at them. When Donald Trump posted that refugees and Muslims were a danger to America... Facebook ultimately concluded that the speech did not violate their terms and conditions, and their Republican-backed Washington liaison, Joel Kaplan, said that trying to restrict that speech would cause a huge backlash on the basis of First Amendment rights, and that it was best to not, quote, poke the bear. Mm. In December 20- Go ahead. The Trumpy bear?
4: (laughs) Oh, I love that. Don't make him cute. (laughs) <laughs> no, they're actually making one. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. there's a commercial for it and everything, yeah. yeah. Trumpy Bear. It's a bear, mm-hmm. and it's got hair, like Trump hair. And and the commercial's great. There's, like, a big motorcycle guy, but me and Trumpy Bear go everywhere together, and they're riding <laughs> a Harley <laughs> oh, down oh, the street. Funny. And then, like, you pull... He's got a big flag attached to him that you can pull out of his back. You can unzip him and pull a flag out of his asshole. Yeah. And then... And then it's got eyebrows, and and then there's a lady in the front yard like, me and Trumpy Bear are going to make America great again. And it's a real fucking commercial. It's legit a product. It's not a Saturday Night Live commercial, which I kept thinking, and I have Mm -hmm. to watch it like three times to make sure it wasn't. It's a legit thing you can buy. That's so funny. And it's made in China. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfect.
3: I want to know what catchphrases it says when you pull the string back. Oh. (laughs) Get her deported. I don't know. It's a bunch of (laughs) N-roll. Get her deported. (laughs) Uh, it <laughs> no. no, it was funny. Larry, the racist guy. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right, so, so back forward and back forwarding.
4: Why <laughs> am I saying these things? <laughs> Your decider maker is uh, is off today. <laughs> Just say.
3: It really is. I don't even... I'm so sorry. I'm not even... If I was high, these things would be funnier. They're just wrong. What oh, it's all good. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <clears throat> I love myself. In December... <laughs> that's what my therapist <laughs> told me to say. In December 2016, Zuckerberg dismissed the idea that Russia had successfully used Facebook to interfere in the U.S. election on behalf of Trump. But Stamos had at that point already investigated the claim and found it to be backed by evidence that one, Russian accounts had been reaching out to journalists to share information pertaining to the hacked emails, and two, that Russian hackers had been probing accounts of people that were involved directly in the campaigns. So when Stamos met with Zuckerberg and Sandberg to tell them about these findings, while it kind of peeved them that the can of worms were now opened by him going on this investigation without their approval, essentially. The two decided to expand the investigation and call it, quote, Project P for propaganda.
4: Oh, I thought it was for P tapes. <laughs> <laughs>
3: uh, they then learned that Stamos's efforts to date had only scratched the <laughs> Project surface. Project propaganda. Pee mm-hmm. <laughs> There you go. Hell yeah, that's perfect. As their findings grew more and more heinous, their Republican linked advisors said that if they came out with this information, the GOP would accuse them of siding with the Democrats. So that begins to ultimately influence how they're rolling out this information, if they're rolling it out at it all. Sounds like
4: Obama wondering if he's going to roll out the information on, on Russia interfering with the election mm-hmm. because he didn't want to be seen as interfering with the election or being, you know, anti-Republican.
3: Absolutely. Except he's trying to do it in the name of the country while the others are trying to do it in the name of their profits. Bottom line. Yeah. yeah. Um, So while they continue to find more and more evidence in fear of causing political rifts in Washington, like we just said, they continued to insist on being unspecific and downplaying the significance of the interference on behalf of Trump or Russia slash Trump in any of the findings Mm -hmm. that they released publicly. When their audit committee took a look at the findings, they grilled Zuckerberg on how they allowed themselves to become a tool of Russian influence this much and why other Facebook directors were now just being let in on what had happened and what was still happening. The Democrats, at this point, are livid. In October 2017... They were forced, Facebook, Facebook was forced to revise their blog posts, which is how they sort of said, like, sorry, guys, this shit's been happening. (laughs) Uh, They were forced to revise their blog posts on exactly how many people had seen the Russian propaganda posts, which, by the way, was 126 million people. Senators Amy Klobuchar and Mark Warner then wind up introducing legislation mandating that Internet firms disclose exactly who bought political ads on their site And Facebook then began to dedicate teams of people to sift through Facebook news and releases that had any words in there that might get conservatives worked up because they knew that if the Democrats were bringing this bill, people were going to think it was to somehow dampen the GOP message and Trump's influence, which is effectively what it winds up doing, (laughs) but they're trying to politicize it. Because his
4: message is (laughs) Russian.
3: Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um,
4: Facebook... That's like how he tries to... uh, Sorry to interrupt. That's like how he tries to say that the the release of stolen emails is his First Amendment right. (laughs) Mm
3: -hmm.
4: You know, like, sorry, your speech isn't free just because you got it from... Like, (laughs) uh. Mm -hmm. Anyway,
3: sorry. Yeah, he fails to see the illegalities that exist in what gets him to the point of releasing that information or what gets people to Mm -hmm. the point of releasing it. Um, Facebook then doubles down and begins to adopt the tactic of running their PR campaign like a political campaign. They even started backing legislation that would hold internet sites accountable for things like sex trafficking ads on their website, essentially taking the stance of saying, see, they did it too. It's not just us. These people are also posting shit that's bad. I did that when I was like nine. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, did you see how little of Zuckerberg looked in that seat, though? He did Mm. look nine. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. That's (laughs) ageist. Everyone's gonna
4: ageist. No emails. That's not really ageist. You can't be ageist <laughs> against young people. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. It's like <laughs> I'm thirty-four,
3: dude. Sometimes I'm, that's how old my boyfriend is. Like, hey Ryan, how do you feel about your life? thirty-four. <laughs> Zuckerberg, and Ryan's
4: like, well, I didn't sell us out to the Russians, so I feel pretty good. That's
3: there you true. go. Nice. And I'm totally kidding, Ryan. If you're listening, <laughs> I, I love you. You're you amazing. It's 30, just emails. <laughs> <that are missing. laughs> Beautiful. (laughs) No, Ryan Stope. Also, he just got a cool job opportunity. Anyway. Okay, so Facebook... Facebook, (laughs) This is derailing. Facebook employed a network of companies that would engage in tactics of criticizing even Google and Apple as well. And yet again, another finger-pointing tactic. Look over here. Look at what these people are doing. Yet in the private arena, Zuckerberg was more apologetic. You'll remember him testifying to Congress, a feat that he had to prepare immensely for. He remarked that he was surprised after the testimony at how tough Democrats were on him, unveiling that he didn't understand the scope or gravity of what Facebook had been a part of and is still a part of. Facebook began saying that they were ready for more regulation, and Sandberg began sending the, all these kiss assy thank you notes to lawmakers, even. But then in private, she was saying that Facebook had already adapted all the effective policies that they could and that any more regulation would only serve to hurt smaller competitors. Okay, right? uh MySpace could go down. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, I'm just looking out for the
4: little guys here. I don't want to hurt MySpace and their uh, place on the uh, social media status. Mm -hmm. Oh my god.
3: Oh well they need the smaller companies to be able to exist period or else then they actually are a monopoly. (laughs) Yeah and all the
2: indie bands just haven't made it yet.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Um, So when Sandberg was asked to testify before the Senate Intelligence Committee Facebook lobbyists had been working to ensure that questions regarding Cambridge Analytica privacy issues and censorship were not allowed to be asked and it worked. So a stern warning was actually made to all committee members by Burr that they were only to ask questions related directly to election interference. Facebook had lobbied even for a Google exec to be required to show up to the hearing as well, again, pointing the finger, saying, hashtag, not all internet (laughs) social media sites. (laughs) And when Google founder Larry Page didn't show up, it created a lot of really bad press for Google, and that actually kind of worked. That's exactly what Facebook wanted. And that...
4: Man, they're dicks.
3: Yeah, and it's like... So, that's the extent of that reporting, but what what it, like, What like? do you guys, I had no idea until this week that it was that much shady Oh, yeah, stuff. all
4: that, uh, the $126 million, that all came out last October. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. like,
3: the hiring of, like, gop back. Yeah, I didn't know any of that. I had no idea they were doing that. All that all came out Yeah, that's week. new. yeah. They were yeah. playing Washington so much.
4: Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to figure out what to do about Facebook because we have uh, our regular group on Facebook. We've got thousands of of followers and likes there. And then we've got our closed group, which is where we hold our fantasy indictment league. I don't know what other platform I can do this on. Um, I might. um, I mean, what would have to happen is we would have to build it into our website and I, in order to do that, I would need to do a GoFundMe or write a Kickstarter or something.
2: Yeah. I have an idea.
4: Um, but Facebook is free and available and that's why we're using it. And I hate that I have to, but mm-hmm. it's like, I don't want to deprive anyone of their fantasy indictment league.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think another one that has similar features like Facebook, if people are willing, is uh, Reddit. We could have a subreddit of our own for Mueller. She wrote, and just they could post links yeah. and discussions there, just like Meme Boys has their own subreddit. I don't know how involved Reddit may be with uh, political scandals
4: at all. <laughs>
2: so if you guys want to brush up, I think up that's on just all people, though. I don't yeah, think that that's, yeah.
4: Um, I don't think they're. I think they're nonprofit.
2: Yeah. So I think that'd be an uh, option if we don't want to go with the uh, crazy. Maybe we could bring MySpace back.
4: Yeah. Maybe go on MySpace. Yeah. because <laughs> well, yeah, we yeah. we need the ability to control
3: the. Group Group so only patrons can get in it, and I don't think you have that capability on Reddit. Good
2: point. Good point.
3: Like a closed subreddit or something. I don't know if that exists. Oh, it
2: does, but you'd have to do some serious sifting through of the requests. It's not as uh, convenient as Facebook Sorry. in that sense. Yeah, All I right, guess. So well, yeah. I guess
4: I guess what I want everyone to know is that we're we're working on solutions to get off Facebook, but it's just I don't know how viable it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're absolutely grossed out by this. So yeah. I mean, we have been for a while. I mean, this is you know been going on for for a while twitter is the same you know and you, you i can't not have a podcast and have no social media mm-hmm. um and a lot of um instagram a lot of russians were on instagram and they they used all social media outlets so <clears throat> it's kind of hard to be like well we're not we're just not going to use that mm-hmm. otherwise how would we get to you so, yeah.
3: yeah i mean even as a comic that's how i get booked like 80 percent of the time with people yeah. that don't know me you know it's mm-hmm. it's
4: and I, you know, I, I don't use Facebook for propaganda and <laughs> Russian tactics. Um, I use it for those kind of things, for networking and for keeping in touch with my family and, and stuff like that. And, and it's good when you have that. And I think just, I mean, you could do a big philosophical, you know, argument on any good thing that we create, like splitting an atom can be used for evil, like Hiroshima Nagasaki. Any scientific um, or technological uh advancement that we make can be used for evil. So it's like, you know, damn, do we all not get to use any techno technology because some guy was a dickhead one time? You know, that's or, what the Amish said, right? Or sixteen <laughs> Russians were. <laughs> totally. Just it's just too Amish. <laughs> Alright, well that's a really good report. So thank you for sharing that. Thank guys. you, Jordan. Um, we are You're gonna welcome. figure it out. We'll figure it out. So I'm gonna take you guys on a tour of Roger Stonehenge. Sit down. Let me take you on a tour. <laughs> Uh, Early in the week, earlier in the week, Jerome Corsi went on his radio show and told millions of his listeners, uh, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) told his 10 listeners that he thinks he's going to be indicted for lying to the grand jury. Uh, And that's interesting because if he lied and Stone told him to do it, he'll also likely get charged with conspiracy. So put beans on that. And I wouldn't put it past Stone to intimidate witnesses because another story came out this week in the Wall Street Journal on Wednesday that special counsel Mueller is exploring whether Stone tried to intimidate and discredit Randy Credico, who is contradicting Stone's versions of events about his contacts with WikiLeaks, um, according to sources close to the investigation. Uh, Filmmaker David Lugo, who uh, knows Credico and Stone said he testified to the grand jury, Mueller's grand jury, about a blog post that Stone helped him write that was harshly critical of Credico. (laughs) Critical of Credico. (laughs) Further, Bill Samuels, uh, you all know Bill, he was asked by the grand jury about uh, Credico's reaction to allegedly threatening messages sent by Roger Stone. And no, you shouldn't know who Bill Samuels is. <laughs> and uh, prosecutors are examining messages between Stone and Credico that involve Credico's decision to take the Fifth Amendment. So it's not a stretch to imagine Stone and Corsi collaborated on Corsi's testimony to the grand jury, and now they could both pay the price for that. I think that conspiracy, to you know, that, that little conspiratorial. You know, when a bunch of witnesses get together and decide what they're going to, what they're all going to say. Right. It's get conspiracy for, to commit fraud or mm-hmm. to defraud the United States. I don't know what the charge is in, in the law books. Um, perhaps a, a somebody who knows more about the law can tell me. But uh, I think they'll get charged with that too, not just lying. Uh, Corsi actually had an interview with NBC and it was diverted at the last minute by his lawyer who reported he got a call from special counsel just before Corsi was about to get out of the car and head into 30 Rock. Uh, I don't know if that or the imminent Stone and Corsi indictments have anything to do with the mysterious shuttering of the Fox News Twitter account, but I ain't complaining. Uh, The erasure of the Drudge tweets is also a big thing. Drudge went in and just erased all their tweets, which if, by the way, that could be destruction of evidence. Uh, Or the silence of the WikiLeaks account. Some reporters have said that the Fox News uh, Twitter account shutdown was because Fox was protesting the doxing of Tucker Carlson on Twitter. But uh, the same day they went dark is the same day Rupert Murdoch met with Mitch McConnell on Capitol Hill. And I think there's more to it than that. And as of today, Fox still has not tweeted since November 8th. Um, They usually tweet about 250 times per day and they lost about 20,000 followers. Mm. Um I have super space beans right here. This is a super space beans theory that it has to do with uh the Assange stone indictments. Um maybe they, you know, those accounts helped uh disseminate uh stolen Russian emails oh. and they are gagged right now. Um I it, it, that's just a theory. Um or the uh the stone and diamonds they this also could be pivoting away uh, from Trump by Fox M- M- Rupert Murdoch might be done with Trump because he knows he's going down, but that's crazy conjecture. I'm almost hundred percent certain certain that it's not a Tucker Carlson protest though, <laughs> so I don't know what do you guys think They still have not released a tweet? No, I don't think so. Let's check. Did anyone got their phone? Yeah. This yeah, because
3: be because if that's the case, then I think that your beans are right. I mean...
2: Your beans are ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, because what... Beans are done. <laughs> why, why
3: else? They make so Conscious much... Like you said, they make so much money and f- they get so November many followers 8th. off of that platform for them to totally turn it off. That's nuts. Yeah, it's been nine days. That's got to be some... I mean, yeah.
4: Yeah, or they could have just been like um your punishment is you can't tweet for 30 days maybe they've already been punished i i really don't know what yeah. it is but i think that it has to do with disseminating uh russian propaganda stolen mm-hmm. because they did tweet out those tranches of stolen wikileaks documents and they could have conspired to get them uh and if they did they could have been shut down um we don't know, but it's definitely not a Tucker Carlson uh, yeah. protest. Nobody gives a shit about him that much.
3: <laughs> why else would they have gotten shut down? Have you thought about any other theories, really?
4: Uh, just the, the pivoting away. Uh, yeah. That, that uh, Rupert Murdoch might be like, Fox isn't mm-hmm. going to be a Trump network anymore. Mm-hmm. We're just not. He's going to go down. He's going to go down hard, and we don't want to be associated with him anymore, and they could just be pivoting. But but their new show is still on. So uh, that's why I think it has to do specifically with the Twitter, especially the Drudge and, oh, and, yeah. and everything else, because Twitter is where they were um, – Uh, Disseminating those stolen. Very good point. Well, at least
2: Trump still has Trump TV if he lost Fox, so. Yeah,
4: (laughs) who knows? And back to Stone, NBC obtained copies of phone records on Wednesday showing text messages. These are new. He's released a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Showing text messages back and forth between Randy Credico and Stone from October 2016. And I, sorry, I went right through this without telling you who Credico was. He was the comedian guy who was supposed to be... um, the way that Roger Stone got in touch with Julian Assange he was the go between that's what stone says and credico says no i wasn't you're <laughs> insane uh and that so that's kind of who he is he's a comedian radio show host um he's the guy who brought his dog with him to the mm-hmm. grand jury um a couple fridays ago so anyway um Assange
3: will get along in prison <laughs> cat so, yeah. Just kidding. Who's going to
4: take care of my pet cat? Probably not going to prison. Um, <laughs> anyway, NBC obtained copies of phone records showing text messages between Credico and Stone from October 2016. October 2016, right? Six days before the Podesta wiki dump, Credico texted Stone <gasps> saying, quote, Big news Wednesday, now pretend you don't know me, unquote. <laughs> Stone replied, quote, you died five years ago. To which Credico replied, great, Hillary's campaign will die this week, unquote. Man, how epic. It's important to note that Credico did not mention Podesta in this series of texts. So it's feasible that Stone could have gotten that information from elsewhere, like maybe Julian Assange. But it sure seems to shore up the story that Credico was the go-between between 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 Stone uh, and Assange.
3: Yeah, and Credico's been like yeah, vehemently denying that <clears throat> this whole time.
4: I think he's the secret subpoena denier guy in oh. that in that sealed court case that's going back and forth uh, alongside the Andrew Miller. Subpoena battle. And speaking of Assange, guys, a copy and paste error led to the unwitting and unintentional announcement that the Department of Justice has already secretly charged Julian Assange. (laughs) Now, this isn't necessarily an indictment because it looks like a charging document, and we don't know what the charges are. It could have originated with Mueller, or this could be from uh, Maine Justice, as they've been pursuing Assange for years. There are some arguments that charging Assange for releasing documents is unconstitutional, and if we charge him, we should charge the New York Times, the failing New York Times, for publishing for publishing leaked information. However, a journalist publishing sourced information is uh, far sight different from conspiring with a foreign adversary to weaponize the release of stolen information to impact the outcome of a free and fair election. One is illegal, one is not, and there are statutes on the books that back that up. <laughs> A um, friend of the podcast and past guest Greg O'Lear said on Twitter that whatever legitimate journalism WikiLeaks may have done previously, by 2016 he was an asset of Russian intelligence and the coordination of released stolen emails an hour after the Access Hollywood tape. Is not journalism; it's cyber warfare. He goes on to say that regular old indiscriminate dumps of sensitive information, st- you know, stolen by hackers, isn't journalism either, <laughs> and neither is the protected, and neither is it protected by the First Amendment, as the Trump legal team wants you to believe. We talked about that a minute ago. Assange has been holed up in the Ecuadorian embassy since 2012, hiding from a sexual assault charge, like innocent people do, uh, and he's had a ton of fishy visitors, including Nigel Farage. Um, that's a brexit guy roger stone obviously we know who he is and sean hannity and don't forget assange reached out to hannity with anti-dem info and that may or may not have something to do with their twitter going dark not to mention hannity is one of uh, cohen's three clients at the time his offices and hotel room and house were raided by the fbi he also reminds us greg O'Lear does that don jr traded messages with wikileaks during the campaign and wikileaks is organization one in Mueller's indictment of 12 russians There are also Americans named in the conspiracy in paragraph 44 of the Russian indictment, and we assume, I assume, that's Roger Stone or one of his associates. Uh, I have a feeling we will find out before November 26th, which is when the Manafort report is due on uh, who he rolled. Um, Basically, as I said before, Judge Ellis wanted uh, Mueller to tell him what, you know, who who Manafort tattled on, And, and Mueller's like, can't tell you yet. So I have a feeling we'll find out before November 26th. Uh, I think there'll be speaking indictments. I think that they will um, implicate Trump, and I think he will be an unindicted co-conspirator. Uh, and within that's going to happen, I think, within days of Trump handing in his homework. As soon as he does that, Mueller will stick it in the report, and, uh, and the indictments will drop. Trump's answers are about collusion. Mueller may not want to indict, as I said, without this input, because Trump could be an unindicted co-conspirator. And I think that's why he keeps pushing it back. And I think that's why Mueller keeps pushing back the Manafort report. He wants to buy more time for Trump to hand in his answers. Nunberg said Stone was no longer welcome in the campaign once Manafort was out. So I assume Manafort rolled on Stone. And Mueller doesn't want to release his information on what Manafort gave him before the indictments drop. So that's the timeline. And that's conjecture. So Trump hands in his answers. Mueller indicts Stone and company, implicating Trump or the Trump campaign as unindicted co-conspirators. Then the Mueller reports to the court that Manafort helped him roll Stone. Then he'll use Stone to roll Trump and the kids, maybe Junior, but Junior can be indicted with the Stone group. I also think the indictment will show that Stone and Credico communicated with Assange, who also communicated with Junior, and Stone told Bannon, who told Trump, and Assange told Junior, who told Trump. And that is why Trump will be implicated in these indictments. And that will be all laid out in a speaking indictment as soon as Trump hands in his homework. Put some beans on it, friends. We'll be right back.
0: Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So I have a very simple message for Russia. We know what you are doing and you will not
4: succeed.
5: For over a year, Observer journalist Carol Cadwallader, who broke the Cambridge Analytica scandal, has been talking to Peter Dukes, the writer behind the hit podcast Untold The Daniel Morgan Murder.
4: This whole story is about information, disinformation, propaganda, and the way that is used and the way that it's weaponised. And in reporting this story, what has happened is I found myself on the front line of that.
6: And their greatest ally actually is the media. This
4: is information warfare.
5: The man
6: behind Mr. Nigel Barrage.
1: Robert Swan
5: Muller. I care deeply about the rule of law. What has never changed and will never change are our values.
0: From the makers of Untold, this is Dial M for Muller. Along with Carol Cadwalader, we'll be reporting on the front line of this information warfare, with everything concerning Trump, Russia, Brexit, and why Britain needs a Muller inquiry.
4: All right, are you guys ready for the Fantasy Indictment League? Yes. Yes. All right, this week is looking mighty likely for some big indictments for criminal conspiracy <laughs> with folks associated with Roger Stone. So I'm drafting Stone, Junior, Assange, Hannity, and Corsi. Nice. What about you guys? I'm I'm similar. Uh, I agree it's
3: going to be a big Stone week. So I got Stone, Corsi, Credico, DTJ, and Assange. All
2: right, I've got Stone, DTJ, Kush. I pushed him out last week for a rando. I'm putting him back. And then um, Assange and Corsi. Is that five or do you, you six?
4: I don't know. No, do it again.
2: I've got Stone, <laughs> DT Jr., Cush, Corsi, and Assange. Just, Perfect. Yeah. That's five. Yeah, fine. nice. Got
4: so nobody's doing WikiLeaks as an organization? No, you're not doing it, right? I'm not. Okay. Uh, because I think it's not worth as many points as the others. Mm-hmm. I, there's going to be 17 other people fucking indicted this week. We yeah. just only have five people on the team. So I picked the five high point value people. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to get Junior in there um, for the for the twenty, and um, of course the, then you know the Stone Assange Hannity and Corsi I thought put Hannity in there. Twitter went dark, man. Something's up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, you guys ready for sabotage? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's a neat story. Friday, we heard that Maria Butina is working on a plea agreement with prosecutors, according to the document filed in federal court. There was a hearing scheduled that both sides asked to push back two weeks because they're currently in negotiations regarding a potential resolution to the matter. Uh, The matter is not tied to Mueller directly, but I would award points if a plea agreement was called in the Fantasy Indictment League. So does anyone want to put Maria Butina plea deal on their Fantasy Indictment League? You'd have to give up one of your stone people. That's the only problem with that.
3: There's too many beans for me on Stone right now.
4: (laughs) I think so, too. Too many beans on Stone. I want the 20 with uh, Junior, and I. they asked for two weeks, I think that, well, yeah, but Manafort was only a 10-day delay. Right. So, because there's a two-week delay in Butina, Mm -hmm. that might
2: actually come later. I'm actually going to go ahead and, and put Butina on and take off Kush.
4: All right, cool, yeah. cool, yeah. I would do that too. Uh, if I had Kush on my team, mm-hmm. uh, I would trade up for Boutina. Now you're just gonna do a plea agreement with Butina, exactly. or you would to do indictment? I'm
2: gonna do a plea because that's still how many points is that? It's, it's like two points, right? I think it's worth it because Kush it probably is. isn't gonna get yeah, it this. Yeah, because she's not a rando. Yeah, yeah. So I'll go for it. Yeah.
3: Sorry. Right, man. Plea agreement is worth more than an indictment. I mean, no, no, no. No. Uh, you can okay. you can
4: call a plea agreement or an indictment, but if if you aren't just doing a straight up indictment, you have to say that you're doing a plea agreement. Got it. Got now, it. No, because usually plea agreements come with indictments, like they plead guilty to something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you don't usually have to worry about it. It's just kind of showing off mm-hmm. uh, at that point.
3: Yeah, I'm thinking about showing off with Credico, maybe. Yeah. Because he's been... Do you want to do a plea agreement with him or... I think I might throw in a plea agreement for him. All right. Nice. Yeah. Do the
4: plea agreement, Dangler? Yeah. I don't know. I'm making up my own language for this shit now. Because
3: he seems like... Because <laughs> he's definitely <laughs> lying, but he kind of strikes me as a way
4: better person than cohen for example who was also lying in the beginning a lot see i think he's the subpoena battle guy so i don't think anything's going to be decided on him anytime soon but that's because i'm so convinced of that that subpoena battle could be trump it could be kushner it could be ivanka it could be anyone so you know i'm i'm putting my beans that way yeah so because my beans are there i can't put them over there yep (laughs) not enough beans finite beans (laughs) having a bean shortage (laughs) roll that bean footage all right, you guys ready to flip it blue? Yes. <laughs>
6: All
4: right, guys, we got our blue tsunami. The biggest gains for Democrats since Watergate. We're Ooh. up to 229 seats. I thought 226. And this is fitting. Because now it's time to set our sights on 2020. We need to flip the Senate blue and the presidency while maybe growing our footprint in the House. And then, of course, uh, local legislations and Mm -hmm. local races like that. So I wanted to talk today to uh, a hero of mine and see what uh, what her sights are for 2020 and flipping it blue. Joining us today for our Flip It Blue segment is Emmy Guareca. She's the founder of Women's March Los Angeles. She's an activist. She's spoken at the United State of Women's Summit, uh, the women of color leading the resistance panel, and she's hosted the Empowered Civic Engagement panel. Emmy, welcome to Mueller, she wrote.
6: Hi, thank you for having me.
4: No problem. We're really, I'm honored that you're here. Um, I was at the first Women's March, and uh, I'm looking forward to the one coming up in January on the 19th, that's going to be happening nationwide, and, and you can um, find out where your nearest one is going to be. Uh, what what website can folks go to to find out where to participate in that march?
6: Womensmarch.com, um, enter your zip code, and you can find your local um, chapter.
4: Okay, that's awesome. So I wanted to ask you, tell me a little bit about what got you into this, what motivated you and and... And when it all started.
6: Yikes. Uh, what didn't motivate me? I, uh, <laughs> I started the day after the election in 2016. Um, I hosted a very sad uh, pantsuit party for the, the election night, on election night. And I didn't quite know how the night would end, but it ended horribly, as we all know now. And so I started the day after the election. Um for me I I saw um someone organizing a march in, in um in DC and I wanted to make sure that LA had the same thing. I wanted to make sure that one, I didn't get missed as a Latina in a women's march, but then two that Los Angeles had its own issues um, that were outside of DC um, that would be affected by this uh, new administration. So yeah, for me, it was the day after the election. Um, I felt like as a woman, as a Latina, I had a lot to lose based on all of the rhetoric that was put forth um, during the campaign period by, by uh, now President Donald Trump. Um, so for me, I felt like there was a lot for me to lose. And so I needed to make sure that I did something about it. I definitely didn't know what it would turn out to, but I did send, um, quite a few emails to everyone that I knew, um, aside from my Facebook (laughs) post of, um, organizing a march in LA, which I had never done, um. So I think I think for me, it was basically the thought that I had a lot to lose if I wasn't um, organized with this new incoming administration. And we were right. Like everything we marched for on that first year um, has happened and is currently happening.
4: Yeah. And I I think you're 100 percent right that the the landscape in Los Angeles is quite different from that in in D.C. While we all kind of share the same core values, just the way that we look and and who we are, uh, I think, is very different. And I think that it's great that you wanted that represented. And um, now I I was wondering, well, first of all, how many people ended up showing up to that L.A. Women's March?
6: So the first one was 750,000 people. Um, We were the largest march in the nation. Um, so the first one definitely um, showed us that there were more people that felt the same way we did um, when we started organizing. So that gave us energy going then into you know midterms and having a strategy for for two years
4: in. Now, what are you um what are you looking like how are we looking forward now we've We've got the midterms under our belts we've we've won that. And now, well, at least the, the House, which is what we we were expecting, uh, I think it's, it's a little more a bigger uh, blue wave than we thought, uh, biggest since Watergate, and they're still counting. Um, so we can see how that turns out. But what are you doing looking forward? I know that there's the January 19th, March, uh, and I was wondering... You know, you've you've definitely inspired some of the largest numbers of women running for office. I think that had a lot to do with uh, the Women's March. But now going into 2020, what kind of what are your aspirations and your goals? Well, I think
6: for us, it's, it's for me. And our organization, Women's March, we want to make sure that it's not a fad. We want to make sure that it's not, you know, we're upset at the administration, we're going to march and then we're going to run for office and then leave it at that. I think that we need to continue to build that pipeline of political power. I think that if women are not in office, women are not continuously represented, because I think it takes more than one term. It's going to take a few years to really catch up, right? Um, Women are 51% of the population. It's going to take us quite a few years to all to be represented equally um, in in, in the House and the Senate. And 2020, I want to see, I want to see female candidates running for president. Like, it's not a surprise that that we have two or three female candidates, right, so like we're like, "Oh, yes, Hillary's the only one that's running for president. Shouldn't we have had about three other women up there?
4: Yeah, I agree, I agree, a hundred percent and and i mean looking at it just like you said you know everyone was uh, amazed and uh, in awe that we have uh, 100 women now in the house of representatives but that's less than a, a quarter
6: right right and
4: yeah and we're we're more than half the nation
6: right it shouldn't be a surprise it should be it should be oh we need more in office right because when you see You know, three or four candidates, they're all male, and we're always surprised that there's a female running. And how do we support that? What are we doing to bring up new leadership, um, female leadership? I'm happy that there were so many diverse women that got elected into office. And I think that we need to continue that because
4: that is what the United
6: States looks like to me.
4: Oh, yeah, I agree 100 percent, especially if they're going to run, if the Democrats are going to run as they did in the midterms on health care. Um, it's it's always shocking and surprising to me that there are no women who sit on these panels to discuss healthcare uh, policy. And we uh, we have our very own um, healthcare needs uh, that are different, and we should be represented uh, represented at that table. So I think that's a really great way to look at it—a great goal to say, you know, we got a hundred—that's fine. We've got more—that's great. Let's get even more. Let's let's move the needle so that. Our not just our House of Representatives, but our Senate and a lot of Senate seats are going to be up in 2020 represents uh, us as a people more than than it does now.
6: Correct. I, I, I agree. And I don't want it to be because we're calling it women's wave. For me, I don't want it to be a wave like it was in the 80s. I don't want it to be a wave where it's like, well, the women marched and they got 100 people, 100 women in the office and that's it we have to continue till we are represented equally. That if we are not represented equally in our government, what makes us think that we are going to be represented equally in the private sector? I think that it starts to move down.
4: Oh, it absolutely does. It touches every every aspect. And that's why I think it's so important that, that so many women ran for local governments and local and state legislatures, because that speaks to bigger races like governorships and and then the White House presidency, the House, and the Senate, and then we can also look at the judiciary so and I think that of of all of the people that Trump has nominated for the judiciary, I think less than nine percent or nine of nine of them, not nine percent but nine of them are are women and none of them are people of color.
6: Oh well, that doesn't surprise me there um, <laughs> based on what we know uh, and uh, about him. Uh, but, yeah, that's it. And again, that is not representative of the United States. That does not represent all of us. Right. I mean, at this point, you would think that women didn't exist uh, uh, based on who is running our country.
4: Yeah, exactly. And are you involved with any other organizations? Is your organization involved with any others that are that are pushing more women to run um, for office?
6: So we definitely um, one of our key key strengths is that we partner with a lot of organizations. We definitely partner with Emily's List. Um, We have a C4 called Women's March Sister Network that will start to help uh, women um, get to office. Right now, I mean, how do we get to office? I know from specifically from Women's March Volunteers, we had about 16 women run for office. About half of them um, won their local Districts, whether they were running for city council or school board. Um, so, we want to make sure that we continue that, but we do definitely uh, look to partnerships, look to those that have been doing this type of work before, because we're really two years old as an organization and we were all really, really grassroots activists. I mean, I was running my own business before November 8th, I jumped in November 9th, 2016. Um, so for us, partner, partnering with other organizations is key. Um, we work closely with League of Women Voters, um, Emily's List, and, and among other organizations. But that's definitely key for us.
4: Well, great. Well, where can um, our listeners get more information on how to become involved, maybe donate and support uh, Women's March? And, and you know, what, what, what website should they go to to, to get all that information?
6: So I'm going to send them to two websites because I'm I uh, lead Women's March California and Women's March Los Angeles. Women's is the main website for the organization, and I personally am at Women's LA dot org. Um, I'm Emmy at Women's dot org. Um, if you want to ask any questions, donate. Um, Anything you may want to know about what we're doing in Los Angeles and throughout California.
4: Wonderful, I really appreciate you coming on today. I'm looking forward to all of the activism in the next uh, year and a half leading up to the election uh, for 2020. I guess about a year. I guess it's a year. Um, Year? Nope. Year and a half. Two. Two and a half. It's a. It's too far away. is, Is what it is.
6: It feels too far away, but before you know it, we're getting the jitters of who's the new leadership. How many women do we have out there? So I think I think for now we should be looking for that new leadership. We should be looking for those women that would represent us well in, in, in office.
4: Absolutely. And we're only months away from, uh, if weeks away, from Democrats throwing their hats in to run for president. So we'll keep an eye out for that. And everybody, uh, head to womensmarch.org, yeah?
6: Womensmarch.com or womensmarchla.org.
4: Got it. womensmarchla.org or womensmarch.com and uh, find out how you can help, how you can be a part of it. We're going to be there on January 19th. That's the day before my birthday. So got to celebrate. And uh, oddly, it's my 45th birthday. So <laughs> that's interesting. Uh, but we'll see you there. Emmy um, Goraka, thank you so much for coming on Mueller She Wrote today.
6: Thank you for having me. See you
4: soon. All right, you guys, that's our show for this Thanksgiving week. Uh, Please enjoy the holiday. Don't forget to shop small business Saturday and support local businesses. And uh, to make up for over 200 years of oppression, the least you can do is call out your racist Uncle Frank this Thursday. (laughs) I know I'll be. Uh, Leave no turkey, but take no shit. Um, And perhaps the next time we meet, we'll have multiple indictments on the table.
2: Yeah.
4: I was thinking that as I was making all my appointments for like my nails and my (laughs) wax and and um, <laughs> hair stuff, and I'm making the appointments on Monday, November 5th, and I'm making them for the weekend. And I kept thinking, like, I hope I'll be at that haircut appointment with a with a blue House of Representatives, and then I was.
2: That's adorable. I love that. That was
4: nice to. Think it's like about.
2: A, um, what do they call it? The vision board, but yeah. for your calendar. <laughs> my vision calendar. Yeah.
3: Can I um, can I say some words for my friend Jesse? Oh, yes, hundred yeah. percent. Okay? okay, so last week I wasn't here, and it's because I was attending a funeral of one of my dear friends and um, figures growing up Jessica Stokely Spruill she passed away right before the elections happened and I'm so sad she didn't get to see what happened on Tuesday she was one of the most determined intelligent funny dedicated passionate kind people I've ever known she was really active on Twitter she wrote for a whistleblowing blog called Crooks and Liars it's an amazing space and she means so much to me and she leaves behind um a 23 year old Kyle and a 10 year old Ari who doesn't have any planning really for his future at this point because she was the sole source of income. She worked very hard. And they have a GoFundMe up, which we've shared on our Twitter, and I'll share it again on my personal one. But if it's, I know it's a weird ask maybe because you don't know who she is, but if you could take my word for it, she's one of the best people I've ever known, and the family is one of the best families I've ever known. So. If you guys have anything to throw to them, that would mean a lot. And she loved Malcolm Nance was her favorite. Aww. She absolutely loves Malcolm Nance. She was a Muller junkie, right? She was total. A, yeah, yeah she was at Politicon with us. She kind of, Yeah, I got to see her at Politicon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not long before she passed. So, thank you for letting me take up this space. And please send good thoughts to her family. What's the GoFundMe? So, if you want to find the GoFundMe, you can Google Ari's Future Funds. Ari spelled A-R-I, Ari's Future Funds, and it'll be the first result that comes up.
4: Thank you. All right. Well, thank you. Um, and uh, we're going to go forward, and we're going to make sure that we celebrate her life. Uh, and uh, Jimmy Wolpert got his bench. Yeah, Jimmy Wolpert. Uh, Jim of the San Diego scene, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, l- a local comic who passed away. He drowned, and um, he was just a, a wonderful guy. So uh, thoughts to him as well. And uh, let's make sure that um, we remember what we're thankful for this week. And I I know that a lot of people don't like Thanksgiving because uh, of the, uh, you know, indigenous peoples and and all that. But, you know, then throw all that out the window. Don't make it about that. Just make it about being with people who you love, your real family or your chosen family, and uh, being thankful for, for who we have and what they do for us. I've been A.G. I've been Jaleesa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Mueller She Wrote.
0: You voted. I did. You protested.
2: Again. You postcarded.
4: So many Sundays.
2: You posted on social media. Got some likes. And you're still reeling from all the terrible news.
0: Yeah, but what else can I do?
2: I'm Kelly. I'm Lila. And we're going to help you figure that out. Each week, we'll interview people on the front lines of political action about the things they actually did to take action what got them started, who helped them along the way, and what they'd do differently if they had it to do all over again. And in the process, we'll give you concrete advice about how to take the leap from freaking out on Twitter to making a difference. Follow What Can I Do
0: wherever you listen to podcasts, or tune in on whatcanidopodcast.com.